to Five Blossom Radio with your host, Denise Richard. Five Blossom Empowerment is based on an unusual model for growth, combining elements of the arts, health, and spirituality. Now, here is Denise Richard. Hello to everybody. Um, good day to everybody. Our episode today speaks to um, a very unusual topic. I call it Walking Softly on the Earth. And it's about beauty. It's, a, it's that at this time, a lot of people suffer. We see um, how prevalent um, it is that people are scared, concerned uh, for the nature of our good earth. So as the name implies, this talk opens lightly uh, with a look at how budding relationships, how our contact and connection with the earth uh, will support or promote uh, climate of care. So today I'm going to just open up this topic gently, softly, and introduce a concept to you that uh, I believe is really, really powerful. And powerful in a sense that power doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be groundbreaking. It's going to be tender. It's going to be uh, engaging. And I'd like to open up the conversation with you. I'd like you to consider that in talking about walking, in talking about our feet and our connection and our grounding, it's not not generally something we want to talk about or that we have a lot to say. So I'm going to use a number of different little stories, anecdotes, and ways to engage you and bring you further into the understanding of what that could look like. So I think about this topic, and the first thing I thought about was a story about a tightrope walker. Now, that's an unusual way to begin, but what happened was I, I thought about how walking is really the edge of reality for us, and uh, we delight in seeing things that aren't usual. So, I met, I've met skilled uh, uh, men and women who have loved uh, tightrope walking, and it's a performance and something that is seldom uh, seen anymore. However, uh, it is often of interest to people as to why people engage that way. And I marvel at what brings us to the edge of that experience and why and what, what, what brings us. What, why do we want to look at that kind of thing? So, here I go. The thought relates to our talk today walking softly on the earth as it reflects a certain skill. So what is required for a tightrope walker uh, is how do those feet gently glide and attentively touch the rope. It's a way of moving. It's a way that will ensure uh, that by very carefully, very, very carefully engaging, the walker will survive. So the logic is found internally for the tightrope walker doesn't actually touch the ground. It defies reality. So this is very, very delicate what I've done is I'm bringing you away from the earth for a moment to show you that if we do that kind of performance, our feet are really interesting to us. But everyday work with our feet, no, we don't consider what we're doing. So I'm going to bring it into a place of talking about how witnessing this kind of performance asks us to place attention on every placement of foot. That becomes a very big wow. And as we witness, and because it's done with extreme care, a walker can move away from danger. And that's where the power needs to go away from danger. So taking every, uh, every step in stride is old wisdom. And taking care that every step be able to develop that growing connection and feed that need for care, for creating an attitude or an environment or a climate of care for the way we work with the land, with our basic grounding and the way that we look to each other is really, really going to be the issue. So, here's another thought. I'm going to jump a little bit and let you think about that. In the years that I've worked 
with indigenous culture. I've, it's been very clear, it's always been clear, that the way of respect is the way of reconnection or the way of connection with the earth or earth connected. On one particular occasion, I witnessed an elder give light to the meaning of our connection with the earth through, through flowers. This was a beautiful experience of engaging with uh, an indigenous elder of many years. She was you know, quite old and she worked, she secured her village in many ways and she was, she was quite well known. And she brought the understanding about uh, how, in her view, the only way she could do her work was because of the power and the beauty of flowers. In other words, she had understood that the light of a blossom and the energetic of a bloom was very, very powerful. And that if she could engage with that energy, if she could involve herself in that light and really appreciate it and really become it and really protect it and protect the earth with that consciousness, then she was able to do her work in community. It was light enough, it was bright enough, it was clean enough, it was soothing enough to keep her grounded. Hers was a solid expression of the potency and power that moved her in gathering. And that with her generosity and her clear insight, her teachings made a plea for the standing, for standing quietly and in prayer and in personal respect for the power of earth because that's what kept her safe. Her voice spoke very in kindness of how this is what holds us on the journey. This is what keeps us connected. This is what keeps us going. This is what keeps us informed of each other because when we connect on that level, there's no words. Her offering was strong enough and it created an awareness of our deep need for ancient wisdom because here we were sitting and listening to her and gathering and there's no way you can speak wrongly to that. It's like, yes, it's just a big yes. So her, she's inside her, she worked so hard and arduously to bring this simple message and to secure people through that light. And I sat with her quietly after, you know, our gathering. Uh, I was in care for her. And I sensed her deep fatigue. And I feel that many women today are deeply fatigued by this continual violence against the earth and uh, against each other for the lack of, of soothing, quiet, loving care that we can bring. On that particular occasion, on my last visit with her, in watching and seeing this, I sat at her feet and I gently washed her feet in appreciation. And it opens my heart to say that in appreciation for the wisdom that she could bring and the power of that wisdom because it held me in my heart. And I bring that to you today because she talked about standing quietly and walking softly. So standing and walking are the first things that we learn. If you think about it, it's the first thing you will learn to do to secure yourself on the earth. And it's very exciting for parents when they relish in the power of, you know, watching this little bundle find autonomy. And we practice this intuitively and learn to walk without paying much attention, and without awareness. In time, we see the importance of it, but if we just do it. How and where we stand, how we walk and who we walk with become very important So here's, we hear strong statements like walking tall or standing firm, and these imply a clarity and and a will to hold. We seldom hear the saying, walk softly on the earth. If you've heard it, it's probably because somebody really cared to tell you that in violence we will never, ever grow. So there's wisdom in walking softly. There are thousands of years of tradition that exist today that teach the wisdom of walking. Walking with sensitivity and life-giving power. 
I'm not speaking of medical issues, though this can apply, but I'm speaking of a way of reconnection and a way of support that helps re-engage our commitment to land and service. So the development, if we want to develop a field, a climate, a way of caring, a field that has many values in it, because we have to share in like, and a climate that respects each with the responsibility, a climate that asks for the issue of participation and engagement with careful, with careful consideration and examination. So we would need a little bit more receptivity. (laughs) That's a big package. If we're going to do that, we're going to need to be receptive and work with issues of distinctiveness that individual need and care. Because if you don't have your needs met, you're not going to show up. It's a very narcissistic reality. And if you don't get your package paid for, then it's painful because you feel rejected. And this is a really painful thing that we've created in our way of creating autonomy. We've created a way that doesn't serve community anymore. So opening that and creating an awareness for what is needed is to increase a way that is conscious and a way of mirroring our Earth's compassion and giving nature. We have to look to her. So if being receptive is what we need, and it starts in our early years, I remember as a teenager really being excited, really enthralled with the idea of babysitting. It was my first job. Well, my second really, but it was a really important one. And the work was so important. I witnessed, I remember watching parents because, you know, you're really careful. This is a big deal. You're going to be paid for your your time. And I remember one one point somebody left me with a a -a one-and-a-half-year-old toddler. And this little girl could barely touch the ground, really. She was walking on her tippy toes. She didn't have heels, but she scooted around. And the way that she moved on her toes was was absolutely, she sprinted, as I said. So it's still imprinted in my heart that this little thing moves so swiftly. And the imprint is still with me. And I realized that that's how it works. We imprint each other with delight and with fervor and with excitement. And her way of walking could you imagine taking that one and a half year old and trying to train her to ground her to to be quiet and soft in your little feet no bundle of energy there's no there's no receptivity yet to that she just needs to ground and touch but as adults that's where we're going to have to go and we can't just scoot around on our own little feet without considering each other it's not going to work so What would be needed to hold that kind of awareness for each other? What would happen if everyone held kindly and paid attention to that imprint? So our receptivity is a primary engager. And it's important. Cultures of old have taught that at any age, we can heal and learn to engage a deeper connection through the practice of conscious walking. As an adult, I remember the first time I was asked to consider how I walked. And at that time, I couldn't imagine being in public and doing what I was asked to do. It's sensitive, it's delicate, it looks pretty weird to be walking quietly, softly, attentively, in every breath, meditatively. Not very interesting for most people today. Yet now, now I have a very different, call it a gait or a stride, and I can enjoy doing that because I've been trained over 30 years how to take it really, really quietly and slowly And to walk that consciously means that you harmonize the whole body. So walking involves every part of you. 
In order to engage your present, it takes on average four years to learn how to shift the way you walk, to improve or engage a better way of health. Four years. So I imagine, imagine this. As in many health healing modalities, when, you, when the toes and the heels and the feet and the ankles connect in alignment where energetics engage the lower part of the body, the process of healing actually really is engaged. And it will improve and calibrate your state of mind. So the process of healing is what we're talking about. And basic wisdom teaches that gentle contact with the earth is actually crucial and sounds maybe too simple to you. But think about it, even as we age, the natural management of this connection is impaired due to you know basic common factors. Like for those, you know, well, when you're growing old, we're less connected to the body and it's, it's more delicate. As we age, the delicate balance of the elements and the flows of energy through the system get dampened or they get, they stagnate. They stagnate and we need the earth contact in order to recalibrate that. So here's a, a, a painful yet true story that's going to shift our awareness a little bit. So I'm talking about your feet and engaging contact with your feet and learning to be aware of the body and how the body is a primary way to make change. So I remember when I was five years old, I was, you know, I played outside barefoot a lot and um, it's a fall because I remember the leaves uh, were, were just lightly falling and I'm next door and I'm very, very happy. I'm playing, I must be playing ball or something. And I hear a call for dinner. So I, you know, put down whatever I'm doing and start running, running down the little hill. It wasn't very far, but all of a sudden I stop and I'm really, really upset. And I lift my foot up and there's a huge nail protruding right through my foot. And it was a very, very, very difficult experience and the reason I'm talking about that this is because I was really aware it was a terrifying moment but I'm really aware as as parents we want to protect our kids and yet we think about how important it is to allow our kids and allow ourselves that contact because um, as a remedy I was asked to be carried. I wasn't allowed to put my feet on the ground until it was properly healed. So I was carried around for a few months. And uh, as I wasn't able or allowed to touch the ground, I suffered. I suffered so much. So walking became a very important piece after that. But also, it reminded me, the memory reminded me as I was thinking about this talk, of how children need to connect their feet to the ground and and in the third worlds they're customized to learning how to walk without footing without you know shoes and in some cultures we don't give much thought to this but they're allowed to actually walk all day long without shoes on they're used to that earth they can walk for miles without shoes on and yet, for us, it's such a foreign thought because of that kind of incident I'm talking about. Yes, but that was really one in a million. And I healed from it. Have we changed? Mm, yeah, we've changed. I think we've lost a lot of that grounding because we seldom see our kids walking barefoot. Does it have an impact on how we connect with the earth? Yes, I think our culture has removed itself. 
when I was working with another elder from an indigenous group, she shared an important point about this and in asking us to awaken to the power of earth and hoping that we could understand that we can't live without that primary support. She asked that we take a moment and in the dead of winter, take our shoes off and stand outdoors. In her experience, she could do this for long periods of time without concern. Her body was well. I couldn't. That was way more than I could manage. But her point was really well taken, was to show that our bodies are made of earth and how the need to look and support our mindset, because it was no big deal to her. She could acclimatize. She could stay warm. Now, that's extreme, but that's indigenous culture. That's contacted. She wanted us to defy our fears of the earth. That the earth's core is warm. So indigenous tribes travel barefoot, as I said, in health and security without concern. And the point made is is for a climate of care here. For a stance that involves reclaiming our basics. Even considering what I'm talking about makes you maybe go, well, no thanks. But... I'm asking you to consider where is your grounding? So creating a movement towards better environmental health is asking that we engage in how we look to the indigenous cultures that we hold. Cultures of old practice, collective gatherings with intention in silence and quiet walking. The understanding is to claim heartfelt holding walking softly in kindness for the good of all. Reduces pain, relieves a sense of loneliness, reclaims heartfelt grounding, and it leaves a clear imprint that we're welcome. We're welcome here. And that's perhaps the most painful experience to not feel welcome on the earth. To not feel welcome in your community. And to not feel welcome in sharing and promoting good relationships. So we just had a climate march and it was touching to me because it sounded like it was pretty lively in some places when I'm asking walking softly on the earth, I'm, I'm asking to take time to pay attention to how we place our feet and how we take that energetic connection and ground. So I'm going to take the next few minutes before we break and talk a little bit about the ways that we can access this kind of work. can be practiced anywhere and any time. So that climate march that we have, we could consider doing the same, but doing it softly and quietly. That would be different, wouldn't it? There are practices that teach basic alignment. And with respect to the elders that have given the counsel, uh, I can only speak a little bit, but to protect and preserve the value, what I can say is in gratitude, that um, as I look back, I now understand that the practices invite reconnection and they're there. They really are there for us. In memory um, of the indigenous elder who taught me about grounding, who told me, you get out there now. You get out there and go get yourself a grounding. I found Tai Chi and Qigong because it found me as a basic indigenous way to connect and reconnect. It wasn't something that I would understand at the time. I just knew that I needed to to do it. So it, with her support, I was given much training in how this works and, and how offered these trainings or these little practices that are thousands of years old means that we're holding on to a thread of alignment. These elders taught me how to survive. I didn't see it as survival. I just thought I was enjoying myself and learning about 
something very special, of course, but a little practice like the flying crane, for instance, which I've shared with many people. It wouldn't have been my first choice at the time because it looks a little funny, but in honesty, what it does is it touches on a a consciousness that's very light and very beautiful. When we're younger, it's easy to be fooled by what, what power looks like. And as an elder today, I relish in the simplicity. It's easy to manage a practice when it's asking very little of you. It's asking you simply to be present. And that's walking. Walking is the first thing I was taught. And the crane practice teaches you the delicate connection, the delicateness of breath and connection. So for the elder, she only had to walk outside, walk barefoot to get that connection. And through the years, I understood that we can learn to reclaim that kind of footing, that kind of huge, that was a huge grounding she held. She was power, pure earth power. She saw that her body was powerful, respected her body, respected the earth. And there was no way you could say otherwise that it was really kind and gentle. And these little practices help us come back to that kind of goodness. And how precious our feet are. So the Flying Crane program is where I start and would like to invite people, for those interested, it's designed to help you reclaim your footing and the grounding and the quietness that can help you manage the deep change. So I invite you actually to go to Five Blossom Gatherings on my landing page, and there there's a trailer that uh, you'll take a look, and I walk in a very particular way. It looks may look a little funny to you. But you'll see me gliding across and through or around the yin-yang symbol. The way that I'm walking is indigenous. And I'll talk a little bit about that later. But why am I doing it that way? Why does it feel like I'm dragging my feet a little bit? It's not dragging. It's actually gliding. I'm also inviting you to, for those who would like, there's a free workshop. I'm going to be offering through eventbrite.ca. You can sign up for a little flying crane um, experience if you want. And I left the um, location so that I can actually share it in multiple locations if needed. So it wasn't limiting anybody. So this is Denise Richard. We're going to be taking a break now. I'll be back in a moment to talk more about how we work with the feed how we reconnect and create a better climate for each other. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Five Blossom Gatherings is the website and program from Denise Richard. By visiting fiveblossomgatherings.com, you'll find out more about Denise's professional Tai Chi and Qigong services. Explore her website and view works of art and much more. You can book healing and counseling sessions with Denise. She works with clients who have health interests and concerns. Her programs include knowing your whole body, self-care for your health, and inspiring wholeness. Visit 5BlossomGatherings.com today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. 
Change. Succeed. You are listening to 5 Blossom Radio. Connect with the program today by calling in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to 5blossomgatherings at gmail.com. Now, back to 5 Blossom Radio. Welcoming you back to 5 Blossom Radio. Having walked softly through this first half, uh, let's see what unfolds when we ask uh, how to speak to this way of working. So I'd like to offer uh, a little bit of a, let's say an image or a thought here as we start off again. For those uh, who know my work, and I posted a little trailer video, as I just mentioned. You can see it on the landing page of Fires of Compassion. It's easy to understand. So you'll see a a yin-yang symbol painted on the floor and soft pink sneakers. So here you'll see walking very quietly and gliding gently, hugging the earth. So the footsteps are deliberately set uh, to move silently to the cry of an indigenous elder. So the voice of the feminine. So the image I set up was to provoke a thought. As the artist, it points to the impression of of ancient culture. I'm pointing in that direction. Uh, The teachings of all that help reclaim wisdom, that reconnect us and fulfill our basic need for protection. So how we make this happen is really, really the key. So... What would that mean? means who teaches? Who has designation? And what are the principles held? How are they held? And how will they help secure us is only if the work is well done. It used to be that that process I just described was required to be able to be a teacher process of being an apprentice, the process of learning, not only through an intellectual pursuit, but through a very clear experiential practice. And over time, you claim the wisdom. Without the wisdom, there's no teaching. So in my culture, in the culture that I've been trained in, you can't actually become a teacher without a great deal of experience. And the experience is wisdom. And for some, it may come to pass, and it may not. You can't actually determine the future uh, of your relationship in this kind of work. So the image I just shared of the woman walking around the yin-yang symbol um, is an ancient image of wholeness. It's, it distinguishes that our journey will have polarities and strong polarities big blacks and big whites, and how our relationship to that has to be held softly. And it's also a symbol that doesn't speak to one culture, really. It's prominent. It's understood by all cultures. So the gentle footing that I describe in the video, uh, how the feet don't leave the earth, if you watch carefully, she more or less glides And the reason she does that is for security. So the footing respects that under any condition, she remains connected. If this is done in full presence with the earth, she remains strong and stable. It's practical work for anyone who actually cares about stewardship. It's the basic understanding that the information or the, let's say, the transmission of consciousness is delivered through the earth. And if you hold quietly to that, then you can be guided. So very recently, somebody asked me a question about, okay, um, so this kind of work is actually earth-based teachings. And I said, of course, that's where it would have come from. But the, the teacher looks to learn 
and therefore be able to transmit the quietness of that which she is surrounded by. So if I stand outside and there's a big tree in front of me, the tree's very quiet, compassionate, and holding clearly to all that surround. So it's kind of a principle of I want to be like the tree, therefore I can be receptive enough to be able to hold good grounding. So the, the walking emulates that cycle that we go through in understanding and we go round and around and around and it doesn't stop. And holding quietly and gently allows us the wisdom and to be fluid with the experience that's given. So the gentle footing describes how if the feet don't leave the earth, we create security and respects that under any condition we remain connected. If this is done in full presence with the earth, we remain strong and stable. So it's practical work. In the Asian culture, this unique footstep is considered feminine. And if the climate were wet, muddy, and unstable, the glide would ensure security and good grounding. So therefore, the yin walk, as it's called, became an ancient way of protection. Now, it developed into much more than that, but that's the basic, let's say, the, the opening, the, 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 the first thing we learn about connecting to the earth. And it works on many levels, and that glide could mean the change we need. So the yin, or the feminine power, is stable and connected. Therefore, the whole cycle is, is secured. That means our future is secured. So the sim- symbology there is very strong. The roots of this reflects that she holds grounding in health and awareness for the changes to come. So she works with the cycle of the seasons, And if the cycle is observed with health, we all claim wholeness and with care. Okay, so taking that and taking a moment and breathing, here is need. I offer that image, I offer that with respect. The way of our culture doesn't have a singular way of working. Why? Because we're multicultural. We have a blend. We appropriate from other cultures and hope to learn how to find health. In practice, this can be, can lead to a simple concern for plagiarism. It's unfortunate, but it's very real. If the culture is held appropriately, however, with concern to how the knowledge is shared, everyone gains. And I hope that this is heard. For this kind of practice to benefit, for any practice to benefit, it's best done with obviously somebody who has gone through the training and holds the wisdom. I look back to indigenous cultures and hope that they continue their training. The teaching is simple, yet with qualified training, the energetic health. Otherwise, complications will endanger us. So if we relate to indigenous knowledge with care and hold and like, we can claim a way that is good for all. So the concern comes honestly that with, if we appropriate knowledge and we do that with proper guidance, we can change the climate to one of care. We can use the knowledge and the insight and the wisdom that has come before. So there's a, there's a conscious choice of do we want to hold our hearts on that? And I mean every culture. I don't mean simply the indigenous cultures of this land, but there's, it, it's, it's worldwide. We've, we're blending at such a rapid rate that we can hold to any culture if we wake up with that heart. 
working with indigenous power and practice is a privilege. I am indebted to these wise women who've held me and without care, if the work harms, we lose. So we lose harmony and the disruption becomes a concern for future culture as culture is delicately woven in time through centuries. We can undo centuries of good work in one moment. That to me is a really big concern. As we adapt to the amazing influx of information that we have through, through the internet and through all the media, if we don't have, hold care, the information that overload becomes like a weed and becomes invasive. It's not caring for us. So we have a danger there too. So learning to quiet down and hold our grounding. Like there's a mania that can be created through that if we're not watching ourselves. So it's of concern today that as we look to the earth, we see reflections of all that. I, I have a care for earth. I love earth. And I, I'm told continually that we even have care or concern for uh, issues with the plants, that those plants that are not considered indigenous can disrupt an entire landscape. I recently walked through a commonly known park and saw that a strong weed had completely taken over the land. It is a pain. It is a, uh, it's like, wow, that's, that's not easy to look at. It summons a real concern for paying attention. It's a symptom. So I know that this kind of concern has been before. It's not the first time it happens. It's that it's not new to find greenery extinguished, as it's not new to hear that our, the creatures that are really special to us are also suffering so much. It is, however, sad to see culture extinguished too. And as the blending of culture becomes prevalent, we can't stop the inevitable the creation of something new. We can look to how we relate and work to preserve a refined attitude or a respect for what our ancestors have learned about survival. If we pray with clarity and heart that we can hold to our land's need, not neglect her, not neglect our relationship. In turn, in my personal experience, she will reflect love and holding and amazing experiences of care. Okay, I'm taking a breath here and uh, my experience with this offers you the opportunity to consider that I'm opening a door to something that has been creative, that's been caring, and that's been very honestly given. The sadness is that there is very little footing for that kind of power. I hear from others that indigenous culture has been lost. It's looking to be reclaimed. But I also know from experience how much need there is for that wisdom. As I spent many decades with other cultures and have offered sensitive insight as to how cultural relationship is protected, it becomes a delicate matter of care to how we speak. And a little practice, like even the one, the flying crane, that survived thousands of years and still is practiced today, can bring benefit. So as we share cultural values with others, we hold a responsibility to helping secure that envelope to promote proper relationship. So through my travels a few years ago, I had this very powerful experience. I was in this very old castle and 
It was one of the oldest that I had seen in Europe where I was at the time. And I was touched because before me was a representation of something. I won't describe it in detail, but it was actually emulating or representing the crane, the crane t- teachings that I had or the crane consciousness that I had learned. I was kind of floored. You know, it's like, how, how does that happen? This is like centuries old, this, this castle. So it was a statue that dated back hundreds of years. And uh, if I describe it to you, you'd say, well, that's common today to see that image. But the statue itself was hundreds of years old. And it was promoting. It was, you know, something very respected. But today... It's not actually seen anymore. Like we, we, it, it blinds me that, you know, it's like you see the color blue and blue, blue, blue. You forget that everything's blue. It's like you just, everything integrates in time and we lose the threads of what's important. I'm sitting there going, that was one of the most beautiful moments for me. It's like it touched me personally. Many people would have walked right by it because they didn't have the understanding or the experience I had. But the point that I'm saying that it was old, yes, but it's very easy to manufacture today and sell for a cheap price. <laughs> so I'm going, oh, it's so sad. It's such a painful experience. And I'm talking about walking softly on the earth, that if it's respected, then the issue of what we do with the value, with the care, asks that we take a conscious step. Pay attention. As I gently walked up the old steps, like, you know, the really worn, it's like this big slab of stone and deeply embedded by the number of people who walked up those old, old, old steps. I mean, the last thing I expected to see was something from a culture that didn't lend itself to you, the European mind. If today we see the movement forward in cultural mixing, what would we like to bring to that mix today? Never would we have thought of that 200 years ago. So what would this theme ask of us? If indigenous culture is protected, we learn from our ancestors. If we look to the trends of what business creates, we see that what we need to pay attention and place awareness on is how we work with the love of land. Because that's what made everything turn, move. To make a plea to stop and reclaim heartfelt holding is wise. And as a mother who would want her children to be held with care, should we ask that mother also be held with care? As it pains us to see our children without proper care, organizations promote the lending of care to communities, and still we face the protest. Walking softly isn't easy. Walking softly can be the one thing that will provide the added space for consideration. So the thought of a large gathering, all walking quietly and softly, does that seem in any way irrational? The power of the whole in lightness will move mountains away from violence to this end when the heart is there. In gathering for climate change, why not walk softly in silence with care? We'll probably have better results. So the work done in gathering and in kindness is effortless when done softly. It takes the pain out of the practice of walking. For this, I appreciate the cultural values shared When you see people gather in that kind of softness, 
the power is formidable. We think about, you know, gatherings, whether it be the Rolling Stones or whether it be anything that brings us, like a football stadium, immense power when people are going nuts. But silence has a deeper meaning, has a deeper connection. To have a hundred people gathered in silence, walking gently. So walking softly is receptive and helps hold the power of earth collectively. Walking softly is presence and helps us stand in our heart. Walking softly moves mountains. As the ancient one said, for balance and strength is the earth. Yesterday as I was um, doing my my walking practice, a tiny little yellow bird fell to the ground. And immediately I felt very sad and very concerned, as if anybody would. So I walked very quietly. It's not unusual that you know, so a little a child will find a bird who's been harmed and will hold it in the hand. And I did that, gently picked it up and put it in the palm of my hand. Just sat there for a while. She came around. I softly rubbed her back, softly rubbed her belly. She woke up and just turned around and looked at me and sat there in the palm of my hand. And I was so appreciative of that gentleness that I was given. So as I open this heart of mine and bring that to you, I'm asking for your consideration to walk softly, to walk gently, to walk tall. Five Blossom Gatherings offers you free workshops and webinars in order to learn about these tiny practices. We also have a new shop coming up, which is Earth Stewardship, which is a longer online program that'll help with learning about a way of relating. That's going to be a gentler walk in some ways because some of the discourse is going to help provide uh, a way of thinking, a way of relating. It'll be fun. I'm opening my heart and sharing that with you and encouraging those who want to learn how to walk softly to join Five Blossom Gatherings in our work. This is Denise Richard thanking my listeners today. May you walk softly. Thank you for joining us this week for Five Blossom Radio with Denise Richard. Please tune into our next program. We're live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, may you have a harmonious week.